0: Escape, from plan A. A. Escape, escape.
1: Welcome back, listeners. Another episode of Escape from Planet for you. I'm your host, Chris, here with Teen and Liza. What's up, guys? Hey. What is going on? Beautiful Sunday night. Uh, I was actually planning on having a solo movie night by myself uh, at home. I was deciding between Solaris or the taking of Pelham123. I was running it by a bunch of Pelham you guys.
2: Pelham123, if I had to pick between the two.
1: Uh, yeah, actually, I, Liza, I want to get your input, too. And then I was asking some other people in another chat group... And then Teen asked me, "The
0: originals or the remake?" <laughs> yeah. All
1: right,
0: and I was like, "Excuse me!" Like,
2: <laughs> I've actually only seen the Denzel one.
0: I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know that. That was. Uh, I was asking about Solaris. I didn't know. I I'd only realized later that. Oh, that Pelham One, Two, Three was a remake as well.
1: Wait, Denzel was in the remake of t- the Taking
0: of Pelham One, Two, Three. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was a pretty I've big movie. I've only seen
2: the original Solaris. I also did not know that it was remade.
0: Ah, uh, the George Clooney one, yeah. With uh, what's
1: his name? I did Steven not, Soderbergh, I was not I aware
2: of it at all. Yeah,
1: but wasn't Ethan Hawke also in that remake of the Taking of Pelham One Two Three? Uh, no, I thought he was on With Assault Denzel? on Precinct. 13. I think you're oh, yeah, thinking yeah. of Training Day. <laughs> no, yeah. the teen, you're right. The Assault on Precinct, like yes, three two one or whatever. P- yeah. Precinct oh, there thirteen.
2: Are two movies together.
1: No, no, that's why I asked, but I think they're only together in training day. I thought it'd be a little... And they were like such a, you know, famous duo in that movie. I thought it'd be weird if they'd already appeared in the movie before or even after. But yeah, Tina's right. I think I got mixed up with that other movie with the the number in it. (laughs) Um, But anyway, uh, welcome listeners. We are going to... We got a couple of articles that caught our attention this week that we want to delve right into. Uh, We we got Yang Squared... uh, Lined up for you first, a piece by Wesley Yang on uh, his Substack, and then a second, a political article written by Andrew Yang talking about uh, just like well, what it was like campaigning for president. So
2: they both seem like personal notes, though.
1: Oh, it's very personal. I mean, it's like yeah, the Andrew Yang piece is especially is this, is like his autobiography. Uh, he's just like is
2: it an excerpt from his book?
1: I think so. I think that's what I read in the article, that it's, come, it's a piece from his book.
0: Yes, it is. For, a forward, Notes on the Future of Our Democracy, is the right. book. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Also the name of his political party.
0: Yes. Not black, not white, but Asian. Forward.
1: Or gray, I guess.
0: Um, <laughs> before we get started, I do
1: want to point out that Trump is apparently suing Twitter. And I was just, uh, before this, for whatever God knows reason, I was doing like, volunteer legal work i guess uh by just looking through a complaint i was really hoping to find something funny in it but based on a quick um glance it seems pretty dry uh interesting fact you know who one of the co-plaintiffs is in this lawsuit Uh -uh. naomi wolf uh which i guess is because she got kicked off for her uh like anti-vax stuff among other things I i think she's also gone on some other rants
0: so she's not all there
1: Yeah, um... Which is too bad,
0: because she's done some good work, I think, uh, but she's not all there, for sure. She she should not be on Twitter, I don't think.
1: Actually, uh, the beauty myth, uh, coincidentally, just a few days ago, has been put on, available for me, to pick up at the library. I should go, I forgot about it uh, for a bit. But, yeah, um, yeah, kind of... So, I was a little disappointed. I wanted to be more entertained by that complaint. But, okay, let's jump into this Wesley Yang... um, uh, Substack piece. Does it even have a title, Liza? I think it's, it's just... just
2: called "Personal Notes: Some Aspects of How I Got Here."
1: Right. So, Liza, why don't you tell us a bit about what this is? Because you're the one who sent it to us, so you probably have uh, the the most like knowledge of what this is about.
2: So Wesley Yang wrote a personal note on his new Substack newsletter, which I subscribe to. It's called Year Zero, and uh, I I, I I think that the writing on his Substack is is pretty good. I agree with um, much of it. Uh, one thing I don't agree with, teen, you'll you'll probably agree with me on this one, is that he called University of Maryland a second year, uh, second tier state college.
0: What he he said that in the article?
2: <laughs> no, not in this article. Oh. Okay, I was
0: like, what is that? <laughs> in
2: one of his other year zero uh, articles. Okay. but so to understand a lot of his writing and especially this personal note, which like Wes Yang has a tendency to get like really multi-syllabic and he uses terms that he has coined himself. (laughs) And if you don't like, um, he uses like uh moral entrepreneur or weaponized fragility, which I think those two terms speak for themselves. But this one in particular, he talks a lot like if, if you don't know about like, um, successor ideology, I think that this personal note is difficult to understand. So successor ideology is, um, it's a coin that he termed, I guess, like two years ago, where he basically says that traditional liberalism is being replaced by something that is very, very illiberal. And what he's referring to is like basically woke- wokeness. Um, and all the things that come in with, with it, like cancel culture, um, dehumanization as a difference of opinion, just like completely intolerance of people who have a different worldview from you.
0: I think he's going for, he's going against the race, the race, uh, not the race essentialist, the race, what do they call it? Race reductionists or?
2: Race reductionists, yeah, reductionist, like,
0: yeah. where where the, the sort of New York Times 1619 project, where they're like everything in this country or in our society boils down to a, a question of race. I think he's I think he's kind of going yeah. after that idea, right, um, in this piece,
2: which I can see. It's becoming mm-hmm. a monoculture, and like it was fine when it was just like I, I guess just like secluded to like these little tiny pockets in academia but now it's 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 everywhere it's like you know so he calls it successor ideology and i think that that's like the key to understanding this personal note so this personal note basically just uh it's like a i guess it's a reflection of where he was when he wrote um the souls of yellow folk and like that first article that uh actually it was I think it might have been one of you that introduced me to Wesley Yang and one of... Was it Paper Tigers? Did he write that article? Yeah, so he
1: starts off this personal note by reflecting on him, on the person he was when he wrote Paper Tigers, which must have been like over 10 years ago by now. Um, Yeah, so he he is reflecting on the the person he was. I think he was like in his mid to late 20s when he wrote it. And it's interesting because he says, looking back on it, he can see elements of what he calls the proto-woke so that they're... Proto-woke. Yeah, if you, yeah.
2: And then there's the proto-anti-woke. Because yes, if
1: you um don't know who Wesley Yang is and you read that piece, it could very well have been written by any of any of those, you know, like woke blue check type of Asian American writers out there. Uh yeah. yeah. And so he, I, he's freely admitting that he had a lot of that in him at that time. And but he also says there is also this proto anti-wokeness. And I think he wrote this to just chart his own development of where he was back then Mm -hmm. and where he is now and trying to just show a map of where he he got, you know, because I I think he freely admits there was, at a certain point, he was kind of had that woke mindset. And uh, he
2: was a shit lib like the rest of us (laughs) used to be also.
1: Something like that. And then I think he's trying to explain why he changed. And maybe he's doing this to, to give others also a roadmap to be like, you, you can kind of find your own way out of this. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, so with, the, with this article, though, is he disavowing Paper Tigers? Is he saying, like, he looks upon that article with some regret and he's grown past it? Or what's he, like, I agree with you that I, I think he throws, uh, Wes Yang's problem, I think, is that he relies a little too much on, like, fancy language. And I don't even think a lot of times he's using the words right. Like, like he has this phrase, the subordination of truth-seeking institutions through the weaponizing of claims of psychic injury. I don't think yeah, subordination means what he He's one of those people
2: that requires a very slow read, because otherwise, you can't just like, this isn't like reading, um, I don't know, this isn't like scrolling no, through Twitter. No, but it's
0: also not necessary, I he, think. He requires like requires a reread. The proto-woke and proto-anti-woke thing, I'm like, what is he getting at there? But then... A lot of times when he uses weird words, I'm not really sure he's using them right. So,
2: is he overthinking it, and it's being reflected in like his writing? I think
0: he's just one of those dudes that like like uses fancy language to, and this is something that you see with a lot of like on the on the on the right. And I think he's kind of been. I think he's a lot of people who drift right are always in denial about it. Like I don't understand why they don't just come out and just be like, I think I, I think I'm right wing. But, like, I I think that a lot of this is sort of – it's like being overly defensive against their target, which are these, quote, elite liberals who have, like, better credentials and fancier jobs and stuff. And and so –
2: Are you implying that Wes Yang is a conservative?
0: I think he's flirting with the right wing a lot, yeah. In my interactions with him on Twitter, I found that he has a real problem. Like I said, I I think he's uh, very against race reductionism and he's constantly questioning the motives of anyone that brings up race as an explanation for anything. I think he's very reactionary against this stuff. And I I agree that I think a lot of things about um, you know, woke culture I mean, I have my major issues with woke culture. I just don't think that he's leveled a criticism against it. That's really insightful. I think he's right in expressing a frustration about it. But I don't know what he- Yeah, it's definitely
2: frustration because he calls it, he calls successor ideology. He goes a little bit further elsewhere in his in his Substack. He calls it the successor regime mm. and that 2021 is year 0, which is also the name of his um his newsletter, his, his newsletter, his um his yeah. Substack. He, he goes as far as to call it like to name it as a regime
0: yeah i mean i don't see it as so uh anomalous i mean to th- to think that we have this very strange ideological fervor going on in america i mean that is america i it might be a little bit different this time in terms of like what exactly the basis of that fervor is but it, you know the thing i don't like about west yang's point of view which i think he shares with other people in the in this I think he's a he's a per, uh, he's a he's adjacent to some of these IDW folks, um, the intellectual dark web folks. Is it's is like Ben Shapiro and Dave Rubin and uh, you know those guys and what's his name? The
2: oh, like the Rubin report yeah, is that yeah, Dave exactly. Rubin? Exactly.
0: Yeah
1: is it is it just me or is that a term I've not heard in quite a while?
0: Is it just me? Am I just out of the loop? Um, or I think they've gotten a bit old.
2: I haven't yeah. heard it in a while either. That's I why think I needed a, a refresher. Bit stale. I was like, "Oh, uh, like, like Eric that?
0: Weinstein, you know?" And I, I think they've been supplanted a bit lately. You know, you're right. I think they have kind of fallen away because they're just so ridiculous. And I think what you're seeing. Peterson
1: almost died or something. So I think that, like,
0: yeah, so yeah, he kind of he kind of lost in his what? marbles. But I think what what's going now is I think people who are on the hard left. Are sort of like seeping into those spaces, so you're seeing people like Jimmy Dore and Max Blumenthal starting to take up the mantle for anti vaxxers and stuff. And there's a new there's a new wave of people coming in to replace them, and I think they're more hard left um, than the intellectual dark web, which is more like proto.
2: Would they be considered like? Would they be considered more like an economic left, and then a social conservative? Uh, the intellectual dark web? Um, no, I was thinking more like a Jimmy Dore. Oh,
0: Jimmy Dore is definitely like extremely social. Like, uh, they're they're silent about they're relatively silent about social justice issues. I don't. I wouldn't say that they're they care about that stuff as much. They would just rather the attention be placed more on uh economic issues. So they're closer to what
2: I'm actually fine with that.
0: I'm fine with that. I'm not I I'm, I'm not loving the criticism against them here. I'm just saying that that's what they are. And uh mm-hmm. they're but they're not they don't go on long rants against uh race reductionists the way that a Wes Yang does, which makes him I think a little bit obsolete. And I think Asian Americans are always a little step behind. So I think Wes Yang here is trying to wiggle his way into a whole scene that's kind of gone already as Chris pointed out rightly no one's heard of this stuff in a while but on the other hand i mean i guess what i'm saying is um that i think that one of the problems with the idw folks and i think the problem with wes yang here is they constantly write from a place where it seemed like we used to be rational but then lost our marbles thus year zero like oh yeah we used to care about things like object like The media used to be objective in their reporting. They used to try and keep some distance and not have an agenda. They used to be like this. They used to be like that. Ah, but alas, Trump became, you know, came and then everyone went crazy. And then now the, the New York Times is biased. You know, starting from 2016, 2015. Really? No, I think, I think a lot of these problems have been with us for a long time. I've been here the whole time. It's just that, um, for some reason, this latest, uh, you know, this 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 sort of resurgence of like racial politics has really ticked off a lot of white people, and they need to find a way to push back. And I think a West Yang is perfect for that because he's not white and he can write um, with fancy words, even though he misuses them. You know, so. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't don't disagree with him that there is something weird going on and it's fucked up. I'm just saying it's been like this for a long time. And I don't like this idea that – I disagree with the idea, I guess, that we used to be fine and normal and all our institutions were working properly uh, until 2016, until Trump. At which point the elite liberals lost their fucking minds. You know, I just – I think that they've lost their minds for – since the beginning is my main disagreement
2: i agree that they've always been pretty illiberal
1: yeah so like the direction this this uh piece takes he 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 references his his own piece that he published in harper's magazine in 2015 and he i think he expresses some surprise at his own writing this last paragraph i'm not gonna read it because it's it's kind of longish but the, the he's actually i think rather i think 2015 is when the the kind of like um stuff at yale about the halloween costumes happened i may be wrong about that it might have been another year but i think that was kind of when that kind of things about like cultural appropriation and all, all that kind of stuff was starting to get rolling and this last essay he references of his own writing seems actually kind of sympathetic to those people like yeah they might be going a little bit overboard but that's that's understandable because hey you know they they were told that they didn't matter all their lives so of course they're going to push back in whatever ways they can right and uh, but then then you know then he says uh but I never I didn't realize how after 2015 by which he means Trump how things were just going to get so extreme and then he goes into the the thing where he describes how Trump was pretty much um this like great destabilization of liberal credibility which forced Liberals to feel like they had to overcompensate uh, for, um, you know, for example, you brought up the New York Times, this idea that if the New York Times was objective and fair, yet Trump happened, well, they got to try even harder to suppress that. So he he cites like some editors there saying, actually, our job now is to not just report the facts, but to fight injustice or something like that. So, yeah, I, I think the rest of his piece is now outlining what kind of happened after 2015. And maybe that's the thing that caused him to to go from being the guy who wrote Paper tires, the guy who kind of sympathized with all these uh, campus activist types to now, uh, you know, being the one trashing them online.
2: It's not a new um, realization though, because I think that a lot of people have gone from at first sympathizing with this woke ideology, and then now just being extremely um jaded disillusioned i mean yeah i mean like you know it's it's kind of like if someone starts blaming things on like white supremacy you know my mind kind of just like i just yeah. like tune them out because i'm just like yeah. okay blah 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 it's like
0: listening to to me it's like listening to a priest blame you know uh the devil it's like okay yeah whatever okay <laughs> the, the devil i get it i mean i agree with that's the thing is like I, I fundamentally believe, agree that we need some proper critique of what's going on with uh, woke liberalism. I just don't think that – I think he's blaming everything on year zero. He's blaming everything on this like anomalous event um, that, quote, split the chattering classes into ideological fervor. And I just don't think that's it.
2: I think that what he's saying with year zero is that this is the year – like after last summer especially that this is the year that like wokeness is just it's it's not it's not just a couple like progressive mm-hmm. people on the left that are talking about this kind of stuff it is like your typical like suburban like soccer mom that talks about this kind of stuff you know yeah
0: i just think that the bubble's going to burst on it like i what i'm saying is like yes it is different but it's also the same in in that We've had, we have all sorts of ideological fervors in America. We, you know, we had a whole fervor about, uh, you know, about, we have, and it's still here. We have a fervor about communism. He doesn't talk about that. He doesn't talk about this, like, sinophobic fervor that's taking over the country again. He's not, he's not talking about any of that. He just wants to talk about the thing that bothers his base, his, his hoped for, uh, subscriber base, which is, all the annoying woke talk. But that's just like one of many fucked up fervors that are going on in America. Uh, but he doesn't want to talk about any any of, the, uh, any of the other ones. And I think the other ones are extremely more dangerous. I mean, I think the xenophobic one is actually leading us into a very dangerous uh, like, political situation with China. Like, we are sowing uh, the seeds of destroying the international trading system. We are putting ourselves closer to a sort of, like, major war. You doesn't talk about that. He wants to talk about the 1619 Project at the New York Times. I get it's annoying, and I think it should be addressed. And I think it is a cultural problem. But I just question why is the right... Or why are these guys so goddamn rustled up by race reductionists? You know, like...
1: It's probably because it affects their professional interests the most. Because it's the you know who gets the jobs writing for
0: right. this magazine okay. or
1: who gets that book deal or who gets that uh, special on on Vice or whatever.
0: It's well, then they're no different. Then they're not writing from an objective place. They're not putting distance between themselves and the subject uh, of the the topic.
2: Should people write about what they don't know about or care about that no,
0: but they shouldn't level no but they should not throw uh, stones in, you know when they live in a glass house right or whatever however that cliche goes. He shouldn't criticize the peep, the the woke uh, re, the the woke uh, chattering classes by saying that they've abandoned objective journalism when he himself is personally invested in what he's saying you know you know like why, why doesn't he just like write, be what he just do what he is considered, like, th- that those classes are not doing properly. Like, if if his problem is that they're not writing objectively about stuff, then write objectively about stuff. But I don't think he is. I think he is. He's I not a he journalist, is. though. Uh, I think he's a journalist.
2: Yeah. What is he? Then?
0: I don't know. He's a I see, subset I, guy. I, yeah, I call him more of an, an essayist.
2: essayist. I, I don't know
1: any actual,
0: I, I like, see
2: him as more factual
1: of an... reporting he's ever done.
2: Yeah. He writes essays. He's like a culture commentator or a culture commenter. <laughs> and he's
0: part of his own problem. And you should shut the fuck up. I don't know. I
2: well, that well, that's why he. That's why he writes about yeah. where it affects him the most. By the way, um, Wes Yang, if you ever do listen to this, we will, We would love to have you on yes. Plan A's Podcast. No hard questions at all.
0: <laughs> I think he's a great writer. Uh, I used to be a great writer. I think he. I think he. I think some of his. stuff I thought. The face, what is it? The face of Sung Hwi, uh the Face of uh, uh, Cho Sung Yeah, Lee, the yeah,
2: Virginia yeah. Tech shooter. Yeah, cho-
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. that was one of the best pieces of Asian American very writing I've ever Very emotional. Read. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just, just very good. Like, it was just very honest. It was very, it was just very well written and it made very difficult points and it made it well. And it was just great. I love that book or short thing, extended article or whatever you want to call it. It's available on Amazon as an ebook. Um, we should do a link to it or something like that. But I, I thought that was was well, great. You can also
2: get his book, The Souls of Yellow Folk, from the library because it's in there. Mm. I got yeah. a copy.
0: Yeah, not a huge fan of that mm-hmm. one. Uh, some of the essays are better than others. I thought all this stuff about uh, toxic masculinity was good. I think he's a great when it comes to writing about uh, MR Asians and stuff. He's really good. <laughs> he's got he's got his finger on the pulse of that culture, in my opinion.
2: Would you prefer him to write like a response to uh, that slate article? I actually
0: would. I would be very yeah. interested. That would be great. I would love to. I don't think he'd be doing maybe, maybe it. Maybe we that should commission we him uh plan A. we, we Wes if
2: you're if you're listening. Yes. Yeah,
0: we pay. <laughs> I would pay good money. I, Wes, I would pay we would pay, we would pay you good money to write that.
2: Yeah, we all I think that plan A, despite being called out by uh that uh uh, um, the the uh, the ripples of that Slate article. We uh, I think we came out quite well.
1: Uh, everybody. Nobody cares. That's the thing. I, I'm not saying nobody cares yeah. about us, but it's just like these. My, fights. my is blog.
2: Just... My blog got so many more hits than it has, and I haven't updated it in a year.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we picked we picked up a few extra patrons yeah. and stuff. from um, it. So which, thank, which is why thank uh, you which is
1: why I'm i would not be surprised if this was actually. <laughs> you know the whole crowd like the the whole black blue check crowd if they were if they too were seeing um viewership drop on their websites and blogs cuz nobody wants to hear about them uh, opine about the green new deal hey, then
2: they did more work than i did because i have not written anything at least not on my blog yeah, for so, a year yeah, so thank but wh- you. What
1: I meant with like nobody cares is that this is just it, it just devolves into such like petty personal sniping uh, on social media. Just like, look, like you tried that in 2018, um, this is a rerun, we don't we don't care anymore. Okay, so I mean it was entertaining. <laughs> that was it. It was just pure entertainment. Um but yeah, the, yeah, this was the Yang thing. I I am interested in just like tracking the mindsets of uh these types of people because you know I can relate to and I, I think we can all kind of relate to just this yeah like 10 years ago we were very we're in very different places in terms of what we believed in and just like how
2: yeah four or five years ago i was in a totally different place than i am i I think
1: about that too very different and just like yeah what are these things that causes us to change uh and are we aware enough to be able to articulate it um which i think is important so yeah i appreciate this piece for trying to do that
2: on to the next yang Sure. All
1: right. Okay. So we are uh, the other Yang, Andrew Yang. He has he has a book coming out. I think so. He this is an excerpt from it, published on Politico, and it's all about him talking about uh the, very, pretty much like the the like a like a dog and pony show that presidential campaigns are.
2: I was actually really surprised when you sent me this article.
1: Oh me? Yeah. I mean, uh, why? Why? Why were we surprised?
2: It wasn't what I was expecting. It, it doesn't sound like um anything I've ever written. I mean, of anything I've ever read by him, like, there are, like, huge chunks of this piece that you could write, like, Dear Diary in front of it. That is true.
1: I think, um, actually, I think that is, this is... And,
2: like, it sounds like a 14-year-old girl talking about, like, how she got wallflowered at the party or something. Like, I don't is know. He's
1: trying to, like, soften his image more as more than just, like, the, the, the math guy? I think something like this... That's what I was
2: about yeah, to I bring think this up. Is but a- I mean it's not that soft though, because listen like this this quote, for example, no one cares what I look like. Bernie lo- Bernie uh, like Bernie Sanders, Bernie looks like the scientist from Back to the Future. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I saw- That's that is
2: one of the passages where I'm like, if you wrote Dear Diary at the top of that, yeah. <laughs> it it sounds just like some uh like eighth graders secret journal you know her secret diary yeah
1: so so to give just the gist of it before we delve deeper into this article it's about him talking about how the, the whole process of being becoming a presidential candidate is you, you kind of become like this reality tv star where you got this whole uh, army of people who are dedicated to making you look good making you say the right things shuttling you from place to place and just talking about how this cannot help but just have a corrupting effect on whoever uh, wants to run for office because not only is this very distracting, um, but it's also, I think, he said, talks about how all this goes to your head and makes you more callous, makes you more ruthless, um, just like more trigger happy in terms of making decisions uh, and so forth. So he's like, I guess he's trying to say, you know, politicians should be more like, you know, just normal people who don't bask in celebrity and get treated like, Uh, nobles or kings or queens
2: he does admit that it is addictive
1: i'm sure it is especially if you are somebody who is used to just being anonymous and i mean that's why so many rich guys uh even billionaires run for office right because as as wealthy as they are as powerful as they are with their wallet um nothing can really match the thrill of being famous anyway your guys thoughts on this piece
0: I think it's a pretty good piece. I think it 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 kind of says something very straightforward. It makes a straightforward point and I think it is summed up where he said I think politicians are more like products than leaders, you know? Mm-hmm. Um he felt like he was being packaged up as a product. And I think the the thing that's missing here is any it, it's this sort of like general you know, sort of content neutral Observation about the political process and and the commoditizing uh, candidates into products. Okay, fine, but what product was he? Like, what I, I want to see him reflect on what what exactly? Why was he uh, popular and and why was money being thrown at him? You know, uh, and I and I think like I still think that he is. You know, it's funny because I think that he has a connection to. West Yang in a sense, in that his whole campaign was also run against in many ways, and he was also adjacent to the intellectual dark web, a lot of what he had to say was class reductionist, uh, and saying that, um, you know, he was always about, you know, white racism is just an artifact or or consequence of poverty, and if we just gave racists money, then they would be less racist. I mean, he said this stuff, like, outright, you know? Bold
2: statement, but he's not lying,
1: no, I don't think he's Actually, right. Wes Yang also touted him as, uh, at least in the current landscape, yes. as the as as like the person who most embodied like Wes Yang's ideal of the uh, the Asian American man as as this kind of like person who can exist in what he called the liminal spaces uh, between these like mm-hmm. racial dialogues, and he specifically called uh, called Andrew Yang as as the perfect. Uh, status quo embodiment of that i'm sure he has all sorts of other issues possibly but you know there's nobody else out there doing that
0: yeah i mean i i just think i mean i know he was asked point blank um you know how do you buy i think to, i forgot what it was but it was like a, a few of the presidential candidates showed up to be asked i think on i think it was something that was like sponsored by vice and it was like an all-black panel that would ask them questions related to race And they asked him how he squared the fact that he had a lot of, like, white nationalists, like, supporting him, which he didn't deny. And he said, look, um, you know, I think my UBI program is something that will, um, you know, make uh, the need for people to be racist and to engage in uh, trying to push other races down uh, obsolete. And that, you know, it's better... That's a better way to address white supremacy, and I'm like, I, I don't think that's like his. I don't think that's accurate. I don't I, like if we look at how white supremacy is used. I don't really think that's how it's. It's not like it's not necessarily like a bottom up thing. You know, like it's a lot of it is being pushed from the top down. So. I don't think necessarily giving people money. Like, if you give a white supremacist a thousand bucks a month...
2: Well, then wouldn't the question itself be flawed then? Because you're basically saying that white, supremac- white supremacy is a problem of, like, the bottom. And that's where it's being, like...
0: Uh-huh. like- well, well, I'm just saying that the straightforward... That just to say that my UBI program... Like, I thought that his problem was that he 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 was taking this position that UBI solves all problems. Any problem, $1,000 a month will fix it. Any problem, if I just give a 1000 bucks to someone, it'll solve it. It's not like a, the worst idea in the world, because I do think giving people money will solve a lot of problems uh, to an extent. I don't know about money. I don't know about giving people money is going to solve it. But addressing their material needs, yes. But I think white supremacy is mm-hmm. something that, although the term is overused and used improperly, I think, uh, is a very real thing in America.
2: That's what I'm saying. Does it apply to the people that need that thousand dollars no, the most? I don't think
0: so. I mean, I th- I think that it's not necessarily an issue. I mean, like Trump,
2: like they're probably not. Like that's what I'm saying. Like they're not thinking about it at all. They just need someone to blame, and they probably will stop.
0: No, I think blaming. there's a lot of wealthy white supremacists, a lot of wealthy racists. You know.
2: <laughs> yeah, but they don't need UBI, so they're not going to be. They're not going to be. uh yeah, Backing Andrew exactly. Andrew. I mean,
0: that's what I'm saying. I think that. The, this liminal space idea that the Yangs love is part of it. I mean, let's be frank is the idea that, uh, a yellow guy can help legitimize white racial claims because a non-white person is backing them up, you know, and it, 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 it helps. Because why would we, you know, we're obviously... Like,
2: but how did he legitimize those claims?
0: I think, like, one of, like, so, for example, uh, he was asked about, when asked about that white supremacy thing, like, that he was being backed by or supported by a lot of white uh, nationalists, um, he said, well, first, my answer to your question is, look at me, look at my face. That's what, that's literally what he said. So, I mean, he's not even hiding the fact that he is using identity as part of his politics while claiming that identity is is sort of like being uh, improperly used he's using it you know and i think that's the problem with these guys is that they claim that they're so against identity politics and yet they are practicing it but they're practicing it for the other side right so uh this is this is why i find problem with the yangs is that they're not actually you know uh being transcendent here or being dialectical right they're in many ways just sort of moving the topic away from race and saying that basically like everyone who's talks about race has gone crazy in this country and there's no legitimate talk about white supremacy anymore because it's been completely, uh, you know, turned into this ideology or whatever. And I, as the yellow man that lives in this liminal space in my objective neutral position, am co- coming out to call the score. You on the left, you guys at the New York Times, you liberals, y'all are fucked up in the head and these people on the right that you're demonizing actually have a thing to say you should listen to them and while there is a measure of truth in that it's not like transcending the the nature of the conflict it's, he's just throwing in with the other side that's all he's not they're not offering anything new here i think they're just saying like that the yellow man can side with the white man here and i and i and i'm uh you know, not going to be shy in justifying and giving reasons for why that is. And it's going to be because I'm to, I'm saying that clearly some of you on the left have gone nuts. And in that sense, I agree. In that sense, I'm like, yeah, there is a lot of fucked up stuff going on the, with the liberals and the progressives and whatever you want to call them. That's true. I'm just saying that I don't think that the Yangs are really offering anything new here in this liminal space of theirs. They're just siding with white people. <laughs> Does that make sense? I just don't think they're actually offering anything new. And I thought the way Andrew Yang used UBI as a sort of, like, cure-all, I mean, it was very steak oil salesman-y to me. You know, he was selling some sort of mentholated cream that can cure cancer is how I felt about Andrew Yang. Um, and I think that's why he got famous. And, um, and I think that's why he brought in, God, I mean, he was bringing a lot of money. He said uh, in 2018, they brought in less than a million and then by the f- by, the fourth quarter of the next year, they brought in sixteen and a half million dollars. Half a Bernie, he called it. He got half a Bernie. I mean, he who was the sort of leading candidate at that time.
1: The, the goat of fundraising.
0: Yeah. Bernie Sanders. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm.
2: Or or Doc Brown, as Andrew Yang pretty much <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: called him. <laughs> is um is Christopher Plummer still alive? No, I think he died.
2: <laughs> no. Wait wait no no, uh, no not Christopher Plummer ago. that's
1: not that's not him um.
2: You're thinking of Christopher Lloyd. Christopher
1: Lloyd, yeah. yeah. Oh, Sorry, got my Chris's mixed yeah. up.
2: <laughs> I think he died he too. Yes, alive? I think Christopher Lloyd is still oh, alive. Is he? he, I guess watched the cartoon.
1: Okay, I know Christopher Plummer died. I watched
0: the cartoon O2, him.
2: with him where he voiced somebody on uh, it. Um, yes. Over the Garden Wall. Yeah. Actually, Over the Garden Wall might be from 2019. You, you know how but I know that, he's alive? Just, I
0: just looked him up on Wikipedia and it said, Christopher Alan Lloyd is an American actor. Alive. He's dead, he uh, yeah, yeah. was.
1: Anyway, going back to the Yangs, what, what I find fascinating about them is why would two uh, Asian men who obviously, um, I mean, as much as Andrew Yang downplayed, uh, you know, his race, I'll never, you cannot discount the fact that he, he like by way back in like early 2019, he was the one who went in front of those like, uh, it was, I think it was some like Chinese-American social club or whatever. And he told them basically that we're in for a generation of Asian people getting killed in the streets because uh, people fear the rise of China. And he was saying this kind of like behind closed doors. So I think he's a lot more aware of it than, than he lets on. So like, why would they instead do this? I, I want.
2: Is it because he didn't have enough Asian-American support? I don't even know if that's true. But like if they're asking him why he has so many white nationalist support, then like... Did he have a lot of Asian-American support? Like, I don't know.
1: If you look at the mayor's race, he uh, ended up, most of his support, I think, came from Asian-Americans. Like, the the, the, okay. the parts that he won of New York City were, like, the heavily Asian parts of, like, say, Chinatown, Queens, uh, Brooklyn, uh, etc. Uh, so
2: then, basically, his biggest supporters were Asian-Americans from New York um, white nationalist guys and, like, Dave Chappelle? Well,
1: this is the mayor's race. So, like, white nationalists weren't so much a big factor because it, it was just a New York City mayoral race. I don't know what his demographics of voters were in the in the presidential race because I didn't look at that. Yeah, neither do I. Yeah, but anyway, um, back to my point. I, I think, at least with Wesley Yang, I, I think overriding their uh, desire to be recognized as, for their identity, which is, like, you know, straight Asian second-generation man, is probably their their loathing of or his loathing of the other, like, blue-check Asian-American crowd. I think that sums it up. I think I think their mentality is, I'd rather side with maybe this, like, IDW-tinged people rather than letting letting you, like, blue-check activist yeah. types win. I, I think, I think, that's, I think that's why
0: that. they call it a liminal space, because, I mean, he's a non-white man, right? They're both non-white men. What do you mean liminal space? Isn't this, like, non-whites versus, you know, like in this race-reductionist war, isn't it non-whites versus whites?
2: Well, if you – so think mm-hmm. about the term BIPOC. Wasn't BIPOC a term that was coined to make sure that Asian-Americans were not – Exactly, they yeah. They couldn't that's claim right. POC I think that, status that's the same way? So, yeah, it does make it – it does shrink it for us. Yeah, it was so,
0: supposedly this sort of non-white versus white, but then Asians got sort of excluded, uh, particularly if you didn't have another – Thing like if you weren't um a gaysian or like a yeah trans you asian. Or you a woman like, or or yeah. maybe like i think a lot, a lot of women gay. actually yeah. find I, themselves I on know. the outside of this unless they identify as queer or you know something like that um you know like or like throw asian culture under the yeah. bus you mean us like vulva like owners right, right, right. we can't say we are um non men. Yeah. yeah i mean look i i totally get like you know that uh that 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 the the woke liberal culture is all fucked up, and that Asians often find ourselves on the outside of it. Uh, I'm just saying that they're not actually in a liminal space. They just decided to side with the white people. It's not they're not actually in some sort of like you know.
2: Are they just going where they're wanted? Yeah. Or where they feel yeah, like wanted.
0: He, he's going where sixteen and a half million dollars is gonna is gonna uh, be, be thrown at him. That's where he's gonna go. Is is that wrong to do? No, it's not wrong. I'm just saying like it's no, it's not wrong. I'm. It, I'm not saying that these guys are wrong, and I'm not saying that they're not justified in doing it. I'm just saying let's be honest about what they're doing, which is they're siding with the right, the uh, a lot of like white people who ha- share the same frustration, and I think that is what they mean by liminal space. Really, is I am willing. Isn't to Isn't it
2: liberals that called us white adjacent? Yeah, yeah. As opposed to like bipoc adjacent or like yeah, anything they call else us adjacent, white adjacent they specifically, and, and, and
0: their attitude now is is fuck it, I am, but they're not actually saying that. You see, because they don't want what they're what they're trying. They're doing it. I think this is what the white people do. They they don't want anything to be said about race. They want this to be about economic class and all this stuff. That, which is again fine, but uh, they're tr- they're actively saying that. Yeah, because
2: once you bring in race, they're at yeah, a loss. Their
0: whole point is like, I think what they're trying to do is saying the reason and, and, race and the is Yangs a problem. And believe
2: that if you bring up race, Asian, like straight Asian men are also at a loss. Is I think what they're not saying that they're part not saying out, it out loud. loud,
0: but they, there's an understanding there. Yes, and I think that what they're trying to say a lot of times, or what they do say outright a lot of times, is. The only reason race is a problem is because – look, race isn't really real, okay? Race is just something – it's a problem because everyone makes it a problem. Everyone believes in racist ideas. And you all now on the left are are perpetuating the problem because you're saying we need to think about race all the time. And there is something to that. I'm not saying that that's necessarily wrong. But I'm just saying that on the – on with the white people that – this This class reductionism or whatever is simply to say that the racial problems in America stem from you thinking about it too much, right? They all stem from you thinking about it too much. And uh, if you guys would just stop thinking about it, it would go away. I think that's kind of the idea that they're that they're pushing.
2: Or they're saying if you would stop thinking about it so damn much.
0: Um, maybe, but less. yeah, sure. I mean, if you would stop, the less you think about it, the less of a problem it is, right?
2: Remember what happened with Bernie?
0: A lot of things happened with Bernie. What happened with Bernie?
2: Well, specifically, like Medicare for All, and that upset them. That upset the wokes because it was like, no, 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 no. You have to become a liberal first before you can have Medicare. You must get, you know, you you must be on board with our values before you can have Medicare. So no, Medicare for All is, you know, white supremacist. It's not, it's not, um, it doesn't help BIPOC doesn't help
0: yeah he was also getting i think the he was also getting uh all that criticized theory. for being um for for having like too many like male bernie bro uh supporters that were like misogynists and that he was or running andrew yang no 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 uh no bernie
2: were they misogynists or were they just no. relentless no what? that's what i'm saying with bernie's with the bernie mm-hmm. bros yeah or whatever bros um are they really misogynists or are they just a little bit more relentless? In you know, can you can you please get back onto the topic of economics? I'm sure there were some. Can we can we can we can, we, can you shut up about? Race? I'm sure there were
0: some real Bernie Bros out there that that, that were like that. But does that
2: make mm-hmm. them misogynist and
0: like like? They'll always take the worst of your supporters and claim that that's representative of all of you. I mean, I'm sure there were really were.
2: Which is what they did with Andrew Yang. Yeah. You know, like so many of your supporters are white nationalists. I don't know if that's Mm. true, but, like, I I imagine that it can't possibly be that true. Don't white nationalists have a bunch of other candidates that they can, like, back up?
0: Yeah, they also had, uh, he also got, um, I think he got Dave Chappelle's... uh...
2: Yeah, he got Dave Chappelle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He got
2: a whole bunch of people that backed him.
0: And we know how these people feel about Dave Chappelle, so,
1: you know, that's a pretty good indicator of why certain people would not like Andrew Yang, just from, like, a visceral, identity-based point of view.
2: Is Dave Chappelle the liberal whisperer or no? Wait, wait. That's what I'm confused about now.
1: Liberals hate Dave Chappelle.
0: Yeah.
2: I didn't know that because he's always on, like, SNL after every single election. Or he gets, like, a Netflix special after every single major political event. I think he's
0: one of the few people that has pretty close to universally appeal yeah and he's uncancelable, and or, that's
1: why they don't like him yeah. he can go up and make jokes about like trans people and the more they criticize the more popular he gets uh, So,
2: do you remember when okay Chris a couple maybe even like a, almost a year ago we did um, a podcast episode about uh, the discrepancy between critics' right, ratings right. Yeah, and audience yeah. ratings on Rotten Tomatoes, and Dave Chappelle had like a seventeen percent over like critics who tend to be pretty yeah. liberal, and something like a nine ninety nine percent with the audience, and thousands and thousands of uh of like five star ratings. Yeah, sticks
1: and stones. I, he hasn't. He has another Netflix special coming out. Sure to break all sorts of records. And yeah, that's why they hate him because they like they're like, oh goddamn it, we di- we didn't like, we didn't uh, snub him out when we had the chance, and now he's beyond our control. And I think it's very telling that he is uh, Andrew Yang's uh, biggest, most high-profile supporter. It's like, yeah, they're like, yeah, it's those guys like him, you know, the the ones who don't want to talk about uh, gender or race, even though they're actually minorities. Uh, he must be like a.
2: Our, uh, see, here's here's my here's my thing is that if you don't. If you don't enjoy all the woke talk and you you do think that a lot of things are race, you do think that race reductionism is a problem, does that mean that you're automatically siding with white people?
0: No, but no, I I don't think so.
1: I think that's the way they want to make it. Therefore, it becomes, it makes their position much more defensible, right? Because, you know, there there was a nightmare. It would be a, a more reasonable alternative, somewhere like maybe a bit more... You know, just like saner than they are, but no, it's like it's either us or you join up with the, with the you know four channels. that they would love that dichotomy.
0: Look, I think I think that we being people without any, uh, we being the three of us and our friends online and this whole Trevor. Trevor went so far as to recently call it this scene, which I that's a that's a pretty big word, but I I kind of think. It, there's something to it that i think we are we do some see see, see something here from the sort of like peanut gallery uh, that others can't because like the of the dynamics that andrew yang was talking about you know that the more influential and quote influential and and visible you get the sort of like less able to actually think and perceive uh, you are because you're, you're really meant to satisfy a demand. You're a product. Um, but I think when it comes to this race and class, like, and I think this is like, quote, dialectical, right? This fight between is it race or is it class? Is, does race matter or does class matter? The problem with that debate is the or. This idea that it has to be one over the other. Which one matters more? Is it this one or that one? And I think, like, a lot of the stuff that nobody wants to get near because they, you know, a lot of, like, the sort of, you know, the stuff that everyone hates, the WMAF stuff, and then now the divester talk among the, you know, the black Twitter and all this stuff, and the sort of these intraracial conflicts where black people are fighting with black people, Asian people are fighting with Asian people. I mean, one thing we got to see is if you really dig into the culture war, so to speak, the most vicious fighting is the infighting. The most, like, black and Asian people don't go to war on Twitter. Yeah, they mostly black, ignore each other. Uh, and I'm
2: sorry. White men and white women. White
0: men and white women. Yeah. You really don't <laughs> see. That was what Me Too was really about. Totally correct. Totally true. I, I think that a lot of the worst fighting is intraracial, not interracial. Most, for most of the part, you know, racial boundaries are more or less observed online and in real life. You know, I don't think you see a ton of, like, white people and black people just fighting it out on Twitter. You, you do see it, but I don't think that's the bulk of what's going on. The bulk of what's going on, the the nastiest fighting, is intraracial. And what I've come to understand is this whole, this whole time, I think, we've been failing to see, or a lot of people have been failing to see, that the intraracial fighting is not... A product of gender it's not a product of culture or attitude or any of that it's primarily uh, it's primarily a matter of class so I think it's like we do have like class is very important to racial minorities like black people, Asian people Latinos definitely in America we fight amongst each other and the, div- the dividing line is class. So I think like it's happening both at the same time. You have class that's nested into race. And you can't understand what's going on if you discard one. You like, if you discard race or with the lib, and this is what I see with the problems with the liberals, is they want to dis- they they want to push this idea of of ethnic solidarity that all black people should be on the same page that all asian people should be on the same page we should all be fighting with each other standing tall next to each other it makes for great rhetoric and specifically their their page page, their page yeah exactly and it makes for great rhetoric it sounds good and for the most part people can get tricked into supporting it but in real life i mean there is a real difference of interest between you know poor and working class asians and blue check asians you know
2: I think even class is becoming harder to define because look at all these arguments about like who's oh, that's rich not class, and who's right. Not I
0: mean, I think it has lot. I think it has a lot to do with class attitudes too. Well, see. Yeah. I
2: think that like okay, so I think that there is still a lot of social mobility in in the country, but I like but like economic mobility there isn't. Does that make sense? It
0: does. Yeah. I think I think I think
2: like if you have the right values and you have, like, you're into the right, right aesthetics, and y- you have, like, the right
0: degree, or you went to you the right place. You could be right broke, place. and you would still fit in, in a way, right? Then like, Yeah. yeah exa- no, totally. That's what I'm saying. Because yeah. I think it's aspirational. It's it's your attitudes. You're, you, maybe it's not really class in this country. It's, like, class attitudes. Like, you could be poor, but aspirational, and that'd be okay to to be... With the blue checks, right? and
2: Or you could be rich but, like, low class? Yeah, you
0: could be rich
2: and... Like the way the Trumps are portrayed? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, you could be wealthy, you could have a big bank account, but you could also fucking hate the blue checks, you know? Uh, you, you could side with uh, people with a, quote, lower mentality, you know, uh, than your own station in life, so...
1: I think that's why a lot of people have come to hate journalists, because they are they're essentially the elites kind of cosplaying as working class because often th- their jobs are sort of low-paying, but chances are they probably have some, like, inherited support system or or whatever. And not only that, but they, you know, they go around telling people what to believe, scolding people for believing the wrong things and such. So I think that's that's probably a prime example of pretty much, like, the worst elements of, of everything people hate about, every, you know, various class groups.
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I think, like... That what was that line? Uh, this is gonna be really cheesy, I apologize for this, but what was that line from The Sound of Silence where they talk about how the how like you gotta look at the subway walls and tenement halls and all that? Like I
1: think Oh yeah, um something about the, pro- I, no, the I can prophets or I, something I can only- written
0: on the subway walls, yeah. Or something like the that. The words of the yeah. prophet are written on the subway walls. <laughs> yeah, the words of yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I almost had to say Yeah, it I love that out. line. And and it's it because I think Honestly, like a lot of the stuff that we all think is cringy and we're above it, and it's, and it's just like these incels and these fem cells and these uh, just gross people, just you know, just like they're really just penises talking into like a mic, you know, or whatever. Or the, oh, like, what a horrible image. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like we've had, look, like we've talked about how, like, uh, you know, like someone like JCK, I think, uh, J. Caspian Kang is a journalist who I think. If you really pay attention to what he says, dig into like what he writes, you know, I think he's pretty sympathetic to uh to not just quote working class Asians, that's probably an overused term, but he's also very critical of like blue check liberal attitudes and stuff or whatever. But he can't see he can't bring himself to engage on like the dirtbag conversation that Asians engage in online. The the way that I would say in the past, or currently, we do, right? Like, he he feels like that conversation is beneath, uh, it's beneath him, it's beneath his station in life, or it's beneath his aspirations. And, you know, I think he should go listen to Simon and Garfunkel because there's a lot more information in those fights than people understand, you know? team
2: just went kumbaya. So,
0: yeah, no, I'm saying, yeah, I think that It is the sort of base, uh, you know, uninhibited talk that you see among people where you will really start to understand what is really going on versus, and you see that this is the problem with Wes Yang is like, he starts doing thesaurus writing, you know, like, that's not what people do on Twitter. Like, you know, he starts, he starts saying shit, like using words like subornation incorrectly, you know, like... Uh, he's going the other way where they keep trying to elevate themselves out of this and trying to like say like, oh no, I'm above this, I'm above this. No, I think the the, the good shit is below you. It's all in that dirty, mucky shit um, where people are really bringing their passions into the fight. Then you can see what's really going on. And I thought that the way that black and Asian Twitter kind of came together uh, for a brief moment because of that cancel Simu shit and all the you know, they, these these blue... They're not necessarily blue checks, but these people like Asians brought Eileen in... Huang? Yeah, yeah. Like that They girl? started saying divester and stuff, and then it, it just set this whole thing off. Oh,
2: that was Rosalind, right?
0: Rosalind, yeah. And it's just like, you see? I don't think that the New York Times is ever going to write anything about the term divester. And if they do, yeah. they're going to get it wrong. But there's a lot of fucking information in that, I think. Like, in that... In the in the way that Black Twitter and Asian Twitter found a strange orientation uh, around this concept uh, of the divester, uh, there was a, just it's just like so much information there. But I just don't think that the the blue check types will ever be willing to decode it. And that's the fucking. Subway it's like wall. writing
2: about an entire subculture. If you're not part of it, you can't do it. And even the people that are part of it. Would also have a hard time explaining it to somebody. I know. I
0: think that's what we've been trying to do, honestly.
1: Yeah. Updated lyrics, the the words of the prophet are written on the Reddit walls. Yes. Should be. Release a new version of the song. Yes, Uh, on the Reddit walls. 21st century
0: lyrics. Yeah, in the 4chan halls. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right uh we are approaching an hour i think um i think it's a good place to wrap it up uh you know nice relaxing sunday i'm sure you wanna wind down for another work week or whatever No, it's fun we talking to you all, bro. A...
0: i mean it was yeah so minutes, it was good talk
1: I just, since, since all our minds are uh, probably still on squid game one thing i when i was reading the end oh wait wait liza have you seen the whole thing
2: no i couldn't make it past the first episode all right
1: okay so you don't care if we spoil it right yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, you know, Andrew Yang was talking about how, you know, uh, power and money just, like, uh, erodes your ability to just be human. I couldn't help but think of the old man. I'm like, that's the extreme version is the old man who creates this uh, annual game where he just, like, kills people for fun. And, you know, we, as I said, we all got squid mind on our... Uh, not squid mind. Squid game on our mind. Uh, so, that that's what my mind immediately went to. I've seen this... Like squid game meme, uh, just like leak into just total mainstream society. I'm mean, just today, um, Tottenham Hotspur beat Aston Villa. Uh Heung-min played a great game. Somebody like photoshopped this picture of you know that scene where Ali holds up a uh, uh, Kyun and saves him from oh, yeah, being a shot yeah. in the, yeah. the first game. Jack uh, like, photoshopped uh, Sunny's face onto Ali's he- uh, body and. The Tottenham manager, oh. <laughs> to so it's become the universal sign saving of saving your I ass. I guess the, the person who's you saving your ass. <laughs> nice. A lot of people are liking and retweeting it, and like everyone just knows what what this means now. It's 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 pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. I think we're gonna wrap it up here. A great discussion, guys. Uh, listeners, thank you for joining us for this week. Uh, we will have another bonus episode later this week, and you know, join us weeks worth of uh, weeks worth the time from now for our next free episode please subscribe if you want access to our bonus episodes if you don't have them so until then toodaloo bye everyone see ya